Turn with me to the gospel according to John chapter 7. What righteous judgment is not. Normally, if you want to explain a concept, you explain what it is. But given the way in which verse 24 of this passage reads, I felt led to explain it from the perspective that Jesus presented it, what it isn't. John chapter 7, I will begin reading in verse number 10. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to uh, teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who speaks, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law while you are trying to kill me. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Good point. Stop, verse 24, stop judging by mere appearances. Instead, judge correctly. I read from the New International Version, that verse in the New King James Version, John chapter 7, verse 24, reads, do not judge according to a to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. If there is a verse that gets thrown in the face of Christians, by other Christians and by non-Christians, more than any, it's verse 24. We're told it's wrong to judge other people in any way. But that's not what this verse says. We're told that Jesus specific, we're told by others who complain and criticize that we're told Jesus said specifically, don't judge others. And my question has always been to them, anyone who came against me with that comment, show me where. Did he? Some who have some knowledge will say, well, they'll point to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1, where, he, where Jesus said, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the overall tone of these verses is not necessarily about avoiding passing judgment. 
but just a warning and something to be mindful of that whatever way in which you evaluate and measure and judge other people, be aware that it's the same thing that's going to be used to measure you. I'm often asked at funerals that I officiate or I'm asked to speak at, those that are especially a difficult time for the family, whether the passing of this per, of, of the person was sudden or it came at the end of a long illness. And it used to puzzle me as to why I was asked a specific question. And I would often get asked, usually on the side by a family member who was struggling. And they would come to me and say, Pastor, what do you think about all this? And I'm usually kind of taken back. What do I think about what? Well, this distress and, 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 and this pain and this grief, this person dying, this such a good person. What do you think about it? My efforts are usually to try to be comforting and to provide some mechanism by which I can be a vehicle of God's love for them. The truth, what I think doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, especially at that moment, is what God thinks. In this passage that we read today, Jesus had just finished an interaction with his brothers, his biological brothers. They were telling him based on him performing miracles, and for them it was specifically the feeding of the 5,000, that he should go into Jerusalem with them at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles and put on a show. Their focus was on him being flashy and being showy so he could draw people to his cause. They were convinced that was the way to get a movement going. Their aim was to see the movement get launched by Jesus impressing people visually. They were making their assessment, their judgment, based on how things looked. And since Jesus wasn't interested in putting on a show, they gave him grief for it. They were looking at appearances. This passage talks also about different opinions people had of Jesus. Some said he was a good man. Others said, no, he's a con artist. He deceives people. Some were impressed at his ability to teach because they knew of no one who had been his teacher. He was not part of any of the popular schools of, of Judaism at that moment. He hadn't gone to the school of Hillel or, or of Gamaliel. They were the prominent teachers at that time. So they couldn't figure out where all this amazing ability, not just with knowledge, but then be able to communicate. And we realized those are two different things. You ever found someone who was really, really smart, but had no way whatsoever how to say anything? I know a bunch of people like that. They couldn't understand why he was so brilliant in what he knew and how to communicate it, and yet he wasn't a learned or studied man, not formally anyway. And yet it says most of them, regardless of what opinion they had, were afraid to voice it publicly whether it was positive or, or negative, but especially if it was positive because of their fear of the leaders. 
not willing to voice their positive opinion of Jesus because of fear of what people might say. May that never be true of us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 read, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me or denies me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Opinions about him were divided. Anyone notice that the opinions about Jesus today are pretty much all over the place? He continued to draw crowds. The leaders were getting very upset and anxious about him. His teaching skills and abilities were exceptional, so they couldn't just dismiss him as someone who would just fade away. They couldn't contend with what he said from the scriptures because it was true. And it cut to the heart. Yet he spoke of this thing called a new kingdom and a new way. And how many know people, you know, our culture today really, I find puzzling sometimes. Because people will demand change. The one thing most people don't like is change. Yet they will demand it. He spoke against things being viewed the way they'd always been viewed for a long time. He was bringing a new perspective. He spoke against viewing things based solely on how they looked. Now, I want us to be honest here today. So much of the obedience that many Christians have for the Lord from what I can tell, is based on appearance. We assess his hand moving based on what we see or what we feel. We assess his hand in other people's lives based on what we see. We assess situations that we encounter based on what we see. And those assessments, those initial thoughts are fine. We're given this ability to take in information that's important to us. But Jesus didn't say here, don't gather information just based on appearance. He said, don't judge based on appearance. And the Greek word there for judge means to judge finally, to bring to a final conclusion. And we live in a time and have been for a long time where people reach a final decision about something or about someone just based on what they see. Simple definition where it says appearances based on our sense of sight. How many know what we see is based on our perspective in life, on the way we look at life? But what's wrong with judging based on what we see? Our sense of sight gives us tremendous and valuable information, and yes, it does. It's usually our first source of input into a situation or person. Trust me. If I were all of a sudden stuck on the side of a road and it was late at night and I was under a street light, so I had some light. And then 10 minutes after I called for help, the light went out. I would begin to make some judgments based on what I saw or didn't see. We take in a lot of information. All of this is true. 
But the issue is not taking in information based on what we see. It's reaching a final conclusion or reaching a final decision or judging. Now, the word judge there comes from a sense in a legal term, like reaching the final verdict in court, reaching a conclusion. There's a sense of finality with the word that's used there for judge. And none of this can be done simply by what we see. And that's the point. People will say, well, I get a lot of information by what I see. And I've learned things through life. So based on what I've learned and what I see, I can make a final judgment. No, you can't. Not according to the scriptures. We cannot judge solely based on appearances. And in fact, while we're not given a detailed bullet point by bullet point, line by line definition of what righteous judgment is, we are told what it isn't. And that's judging according to appearances. None of us can do this simply based on what we see. So this verse, verse 24, says don't, it doesn't say don't judge. It says don't reach a final conclusion about anything, and more importantly, about anyone. Don't come to a final decision about anyone based solely on what we see. Because what we see can be colored can be jaded, especially in a time when it just seems that there's so much going on. It's so easy, even for Christians, to become a little bit cynical. No need for anybody to say amen. I know it's true. So why can't we come to a final decision based on what we see? What's wrong with what we see? Why? Many of you remember the story in 1 Samuel. The Jewish people wanted a king. God said, no, you don't. The people said, yeah, we do. And God said, fine, have a king. Now, that is a real condensed version of what actually happened. And so the first king of Israel was King Saul who through the course of his kingship was found significantly wanting. And so God speaks to Samuel, the prophet, and says, we're going to pick a new king. And he sends Samuel to the house of Jesse, who had many sons. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 4, where I'll pick up reading, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel said, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, which was Jesse's oldest son, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do not consider his appearance or his height. The word righteous in verse 24 indicates judgment 
based on what God sees. Now, I want honesty here. I want you to shout with me loud if this is true about you. How many of you have the ability to see into someone's heart? Thought so. God looks at the heart mainly because he's the only one who can. Something you and I can't do, which means according to the scriptures, you and I can never reach a final decision about anybody. That's why talking about someone's eternal outcome for me has been difficult. I don't know what their, the condition of their heart was. Yes, in the body of someone's life, in all the things they did as an expression of their heart, we can look at someone's deeds and make a determination. But only God knows the heart. We can't see what God considers most important. The leaders at this point were up in arms because Jesus performed a miracle on the Sabbath day. And the particular miracle they were upset about was the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. This man had been in this state for almost 20 years. Lying by this pool, hoping to make it into the pool when the angel stirred the water and he would be healed. And it never happened. Lying there day after day. And Jesus comes by and says, get up. Again, there's more to the story than that. But because this event, because this healing took place on the Sabbath day, that's all the leaders could see. And yet they perfectly, and this is what Jesus comments on in John chapter 7, the law commanded that if a male a child was born, they were to be circumcised on the eighth day, regardless of what day that eighth day was, even if it was the Sabbath. And Jesus' point is, why would it be wrong to heal somebody's entire body than to do this? He's basically calling out their hypocrisy. And judging others by appearance can lead to that. It leads to reaching final conclusions about people and about situations, final assessments about something going on that can be totally off base. It must have been about four or five years ago. I was watching something and an interview came on at a environmental rally. They were doing things to preserve the planet and raising environmental awareness. And oddly enough, two of the leaders of this particular event were two people who you would probably never think would be in the same room together. And it was Elton John and former President George W. Bush. I just saw them sitting together. And I'm like, whoa, the end is near. And at one point in the interview, President Bush went off to do something else. And it was just Elton John. And the interviewer began asking Elton John questions. Now, it doesn't take a Harvard scholar to realize that Elton John and George W. Bush are at completely opposite ends of most theological or political or just conceptual spectrums. They think very differently about life. 
But the interview was asking him his impressions of George Bush. And I got to give Elton John credit. He said, for years, I have despised this man based on his what he perceived his policies were. But in sitting with him for the past four hours, and he actually said, he's actually a real nice guy. And it was a pleasant conversation. And on this issue of environmental awareness, we agreed. Now, I still have my standing opinions of Elton John. Although I will admit, on the cruise, at one of the events we went to, they played Crocodile Rock, and we sang along. And I was amazed at a song I hadn't heard in probably 25 years. I remembered all of the words. But in that moment, this celebrity was revealing a biblical principle. The error in reaching a final conclusion about anyone just based on what you see. Because you and I can't see the heart. And because we can't see someone's heart, we really should get out of our own way and stop trying to reach final conclusions about anyone. Now, some would say, well, since we can't see the heart, why would we want to reach a final conclusion about anyone? Because it's easy. Because doing the hard work of having to learn more about a person and getting close to them and seeing them in other settings is more work. And for the most part, in that situation where it comes to relationships, people are lazy. Now, I want to be clear. We stand against evil. We stand against error. We stand for what is right and what is right being determined according to the word of God, not popular opinion. We come against ungodly ideas. We come against ungodly practices and we come against ungodly lifestyles. God doesn't have to get on the page of our changing culture. Our culture has to wake up and get on God's page. But when it comes to reaching a final conclusion about anyone that I think philosophically has gone off the deep end, I cannot. Because only God knows their heart. Because any assessment, any judgment I make will always be based on incomplete information. Just as the assessment this crowd and the leaders were making about Jesus was based on incomplete information. So I've tried my best, especially as I've gotten older and learned more, not to reach a final conclusion about anybody or anything. Because I don't know it all. Do any of you know it all? Please don't say yes. I have to call you a liar right here in front of everybody. But some are going to say, but yeah, when it comes to certain situations and some people based on what they've done, you can know. And then again, both Christians and non-Christians will point to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you say, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Some of the older translations, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. True. If nonsense and evil constantly come out of someone, it's pretty much a good understanding that there's nonsense and evil 
in the heart. And that can be revealing. And while it can be revealing, John chapter 7, verse 24, makes it clear. It's not conclusive. Because how many know nobody is beyond hope? Aren't you glad for that? We can't give up on anybody because aren't you glad God didn't give up on you? Nobody is beyond hope. Nobody is beyond reach. Nobody is outside of God's ability to step in and make a difference in their lives. So where does this leave us? I can't pass final judgment on anyone. What about all the wrong I see around me? What about the evil that gets passed off as good? What about the error we see parading as truth? Gee, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times throughout the months. As our culture sinks deeper and deeper into error. It's one of the reasons why I established that monthly time of coming into the building together on a Saturday morning. This is why we pray. Because our world is a mess. And I've mentioned this on many a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Not only is our world a mess, I can make an easy argument that so is the church. We're a mess. But this is why we pray. Because we know God sees all. And because we know God sees all, church, we can always have hope. Your unsaved loved ones are not hopeless. Your wayward children are not hopeless. This country is not hopeless. Sure looks that way sometimes, but it's not hopeless. The situation in the Middle East is not hopeless. Our world is not beyond doesn't matter how far a loved one has drifted. We keep our hope and trust in God. Doesn't matter how many lies our culture has, has embraced. And how many of those lies not only do people embrace, but then try and teach to others, especially children. There is no one beyond hope. Doesn't matter how many, how, how far many in the church go to embrace error. I believe in the church because the church belongs to God and therefore is never beyond hope. Whatever we see, trust me, God sees deeper. And based on what he sees, I have confidence he will work. My trust is in him, not in what I see. God doesn't give up on anyone. And neither should we. So if you listen to this and say, well, I'm going to keep on judging people because that's I, I have a right. Fine. Have at it. However, hopefully I've given you some new criteria. If you're going to judge someone, it needs to be righteous judgment. And this verse, verse chapter John, chapter seven, verse 24, makes it clear. What righteous judgment is not. And it's based solely on what we see. I'll be honest, when I started looking at some of the news reports and the video footage, 
of schools and children's centers being bombed in Israel, I got angry and my heart broke. And I got mad at the forces launching those rockets. And for a moment, I thought, well, gee, if I were God, I would just wave my hand and those people would be off the just just out of the way. I would end them right away in their sin. But God knows better. God loves them. Not just the victims, but the perpetrators as well. They also, just like you and I, were made in God's image. And Jesus came to save them. It's been my experience, and I'll close with this, that most people who come at me about Christians who judge, it's dawned on me, they're coming to me to complain. Look at all these Christians and all this judgment. And I said this once, but isn't your complaint a judgment? Aren't you judging Christians? Aren't you doing the same thing you're complaining they're doing? And then that's usually when they change the subject, but. We want to be a people who can assess the information around us and be able to act in a way that is godly and holy, as we sang about today. But we also want to be a people who understand fully that we will never see all. When I, when, when Lori and I were working on the staff for a church in the South Bronx, I gotta tell you, people came, came into church sometimes looking like anything, like they had just not only rolled out of bed, but rolled off the streets sometimes severely tattooed, adorned in piercings that I didn't even know you could pierce where those rings were. And in most churches, people walking into a church like that wouldn't be met with separation, would be met with distance. They need to be met with the love of God. They need to be met with a friendly embrace. And I assure you, some will say, well, we need to engage them in a way that brings them in. And I've heard someone even suggest, maybe uh, I actually had someone suggest as a means of reaching the lost as a pastor, that I should get an ear piercing. I can assure you, no one's coming anywhere near a needle on my ear. No one. I have a hard enough time when they take a needle to my arm. Coming to my ears, let alone any other part of my body. No, keep those things away. I don't need to dive into the area where you are in to reach you. 
Just being friendly can do that. Just being loving can do that. Just being a reflection of Jesus can do that. Judge not according to appearances, Jesus said, but judge righteous judgment, which tells us what righteous judgment is not. Stand with me, please.